Okay, well, it's, it's a real honor to be here with you again. This is our second family, and um, it's been a, a great association for many years. And so it's always, for me, a privilege to come here. And um, as we look into God's Word, we are trusting God to do something. Has anyone come with any form of expectation this morning? And, and um, it's, it's, it's going to be good. It may be short because I've got two people over here that said, if I get boring, they're just going to do this and we'll have to cut it. So, so I've, I've got to be careful. But um, anyway, what I would like to do is just pray over this section and over the word that, um, that God will bless it to, our, to us. Amen. So, Father, we, we just thank you again for your presence. It's just great to be in your presence. I thank you for your word, Lord. And thank you that your word is alive and powerful and sharper than any turgid sword. And God, it doesn't return to you void. And so as we sit here and we open our hearts to you the best way we know how, I pray that you come and minister to us in Jesus' name. And, and I pray, Lord, that you confirm your word with signs following today in whatever way we need to have that. We ask in Jesus' name, because you are a God of breakthrough, you're a God of miracles. Lord, you're just a God that fills this place. As we sang earlier, you don't have to be here, but you are, and you've come with your splendor, and you're the one that changes this room. You're the one that makes all the difference, and we welcome you as such, and we just say, come and have your way, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to talk on, um, on the subject of keep looking forward. And the scripture is in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, which we know very well, I think it says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, what this scripture is about, really, is this, is that how many of you found out that life is real and that things happen that sometimes we don't understand um, and they can affect us? Anyone been affected by things that happen in the world? And maybe you're going through something right now, maybe not, but, but even with the Lord Jesus, that's what it's saying over here. So it's saying, what does it say? Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Now, how many of you know that's difficult? In a, in a tough time, it's, it's difficult to fix our eyes on Jesus because, number one, we can't see him. And number two, it's a whole thing by faith. But the encouragement is this. No matter what you're going through, fix your eye on Jesus. And then it talks about him because he, he had life just like us. He went through things. He was betrayed. He was denied. He was doubted by his, by his own close disciples. Things happened to him that, in a sense, he didn't understand. But what, and then on top of it all, he went to the cross. And we'll never understand what it meant to Jesus. It wasn't just the physical punishment. That was, that was bad in itself because in Psalm 52, it says that when Jesus was on the cross... He was so ripped apart 
that he was beyond recognition of a human being. So even anyone seen the Passion of the Christ? And I thought that portrayed Jesus on the cross better than anyone else I've seen. But even that didn't depict how he really was. He was beyond recognition of a human being, and he did that for us. But besides that, the sinless Son of God took upon himself the sin of the whole world, past, present, and future. And for the first time, he was separated from his Father, and that is the biggest thing that he had to endure. And he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But he did all that for us. And so he went through this tough time. But what was it about him that helped him go through this, through this tough time? Because remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed and he said, Father, three times. He said, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And you see, as we sang the song, all I have is, is yours. So, and it's a good song to sing. Sometimes in practice, it's a little bit different. But he said, nevertheless, your will be done. Now, what was it that helped Jesus go through all this? It was for the joy that was set before him. In other words, Jesus looked beyond the cross. He had a picture of victory. He had a picture of us sitting in this place today, praising him, being washed by the blood of Jesus, being saved, being set free. He had a picture of the power of Satan being broken. He had a picture of victory. It was just victory, victory, victory. And it was a clear vision that he had. And so it says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising or scorning its shame. And listen, he sat down to the right hand of God. He overcame and now he's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's our Savior. Hallelujah. He's our deliverer. He's our healer. Aren't you glad he went through that? Now, when we experience life, and that's what I'm getting to, there are things in life that Satan is trying to use. Listen to this. He tries to steal our faith. He's come only to steal, kill, and to destroy. And he wants to destroy our faith. And I want to say this. The, the longer you're a Christian, the more reason there is to give up, in a sense. But the longer you're a Christian, the more reason there is to keep going as well. Amen. And, and so it's different things. I was just thinking about this discouragement. I was thinking of the three Ds. Discouragement is one thing that, that Satan tries to use against us. Any of you have had, you've been praying about certain things and it's like the prayers are unanswered. Anyone over here? Okay. How many of you, you're not going to put up your hand today no matter what I say. Yeah, 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 yeah. You did it. Okay, but, but we all go through disappointments, don't we? We have unanswered prayers or, or we've, we've, we've prayed for people for healing and, and then they pass away and, and, and things happen to us or else there are unfulfilled expectations in our own lives where we're trusting God for something that just doesn't happen. We're trusting God for our business and it fails. Anyone experienced that before? Any, anyone... <coughs> You know, the, the saying goes that, that Jesus comes at the 11th hour. 
Okay, now I've seen Jesus come at the 12th hour. I've seen him come beyond the 12th hour. I've seen him come, but the, the issue is he comes sometime. But sometimes we get disappointed because things don't happen the way that we think that they should happen. It's maybe even in, in our sense now we, we're in this journey of faith and so we're going to trust God for tithing. We can't really afford it, but we're going to trust him because of the wonderful promise that he gives and it's the right thing to do. And so we tithe and more goes wrong. Anyone experience that? The fridge breaks down. The car breaks down. Your mother-in-law breaks down. <laughs> Everything seems to just break down. Bike breaks down. Ask, ask Dylan. Okay. But just be careful of the air filter. Hey, bro, just put the air filter in the right way next time. Hey. But anyway, the, the, the issue is this. Is, is Things sometimes happen that we don't understand. And you see what happens is then, then Satan says, see, God let you down. This thing is not working for you. And it could be different things like that. It could be disappointment. Anyone, oh, people have let you down. People that, have, that you've trusted, even Christians maybe, have skinned about you. Or they stabbed you in the back. Or someone that you've held in high esteem, a leader maybe, has fallen. And you think, wow, how can that happen? And how does it affect us? How does it affect us? You see, in Satan, he talks to us all the time, doesn't he? And he says, no, man, this bike is church. That's not the place to go. So where do you go? And yet we have all these things that are, that are happening to us, internal struggles that we have. The word of God doesn't, doesn't seem to work for us any longer. Any of you being that, you read the word and you read the word and, and, and you get stuff from the word and you get all excited about it and then it doesn't seem to happen. It's going to get better now, now, okay, I promise you. All right. <coughs> and then, here's the, here's the thing. If you're not careful, and just in life, maybe you're battling in your marriage, maybe you're battling in your finances, maybe you're battling in your relationships, whatever the case is, now here's the key. If you're not careful, some people will actually fall into depression. And it's like this heaviness. Have you before used to have the joy of the Lord and now there's a heaviness all around about you and so on? Because the, I want to say this again that we know very well. The thief comes not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And then obviously he uses sin. Moral failure or just some kind of sin. And I'm just talking about unrepentant sin. Because God forgives, doesn't he? And God restores. But this un unrepentance and so whatever situation you're in and and i just want to find out is is it making sense to anyone over here is, is is it okay now i want to say that no matter what happens to us and things do happen to every one of us every one of us and you find yourself in a tight spot and you find yourself stuff just doesn't seem to get there the breakthrough just doesn't seem to come anyone know what i'm talking about on that one now the here's the issue is this, don't get stuck there. You see, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8, it says, We are pressed on every side by troubles, but not crushed and broken. We are perplexed because we don't know why things happen as they do. 
but we don't give up and quit. We are hunted down, but God never abandons us. We are knocked down, but we get up again and keep going. Now, I think if, if any type of person understands this scripture, it'll be bikers. You get knocked down, but what do you do? You get up again and keep going. I remember when I had my bike accident, and uh, someone T-boned me, and I landed up in hospital, and so on. And just after that, you won't believe how many Christians, but they're not bike Christians. No, no, they just, they just, they just sort of Christians, you know. So, so, and you'd be, you'd be, you'd be surprised how many people came to him and said, "Well, has God spoken to you yet?" I'm thinking, yeah, no, he spoke to him. He said, "Go get a bike as soon as you can." <laughs> so, well, have you learned your lesson yet? And and then, and then you get these good people, good intentions that come and say, you know. I've sensing God has been telling me for, for quite a long time to tell you that it's time you got off the bike. So, um, so maybe you must listen now because that's why you had the accident. God's trying to tell you something. So, so what I did is before I was able to walk, I went and bought another bike. <laughs> I, I couldn't ride it home, so they had it delivered to my house. And then before, while I was still walking on crutches, I still remember is that um, a couple of us, we went on a tour and we did about a thousand k's to the Eastern Transvaal. I mean, where else do you go? So, so we went there, and I couldn't, I couldn't walk. So I had a crutch, you see. So I went there, and then they helped me. My buddies helped me get on the bike. Then I could ride. And then they, they folded the crutch. You know those crutches at Concertina a bit, and they put it on the back and tied it down by the, by the top box, and off we went. Eh? Then every time I had a stop, I put the... I put the stand down, and then they'd come and help me off it, give me my crutch, and then I'll... But hey, man, we don't stay down. I say, we don't stay down. We get up again, and we keep going. And that's what my whole thing is over here, is let's keep moving forward. Because I want to say this, is that sometimes things in life, whether you're a biker or not, things in life try and keep us there. They try and keep us in depression. They try and keep us with a sense of hopelessness. They try and keep us in unforgiveness. They try and keep us in confusion. They try tries to keep us in disillusionment. And my, my encouragement to you today is don't stay there. We need to get up again. And so I've just got four things that I'd, four things I'd like to share with you of how to get up again. Number one, keep looking forward. So I've, I've been spoken about Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him. See, he had a picture of joy. Then in, with Paul in Philippians chapter 3.13, it says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have been taken hold of what God has called for me. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press toward the prize of the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So the Apostle Paul had one thing in mind. And listen to this. This is our ultimate hope. Is that one day I'm going to go to heaven. And I'm not going to let anyone or anything put me off this journey. I'm not going to be sidelined. I'm not going to backslide. I have a picture of heaven. Now, 
you know, you know, we don't really have a picture of heaven, do we, in, in, in that sense. But the Apostle Paul had the privilege of actually going to heaven and experiencing what it was like. And he said it was so great that there, there are no human words to be able to describe it. And sometimes I think we forget or, or our vision is clouded because what's it all about ultimately? If in this life only we have hope, we are of all men most miserable. Live to finish strong. May I say that again? Live to finish strong. Because there is an eternal inheritance waiting for us. And so he had a picture of this. He had a picture of this. And this picture is shining so brightly that no matter what happens in the way, one thing, one thing, I'm not going to allow anyone or anything, any experience to put me off God or to put me off his church. May I say that again? Don't allow anything or anyone to put you of God or his church. And let me talk about the church, if I may. The church is the bride of Christ. And he's preparing the bride for his coming. And you may, you know, we may stand here and say, yes, Lord, I don't know what kind of bride you get in there with all its faults and failings and its warts and spots and wrinkles and whatever else, okay, in the church. Listen, friend, the church is still the most precious thing to God. It's his bride. And so two things. Number one, don't mess with his bride. Don't criticize the church. Sort out problems you have to, but don't criticize. And secondly, be part of it. I said be part of it. And that's why the Bible says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but do so even the more. But encourage one another. That's actually what it says. But encourage one another and do so even the more as you see the day approaching. So we come together to do what? To encourage each other. Amen. And do so even the more. So let's be part of it. And, and so if you are sitting here today and you're already planning something for the next three weeks that doesn't include church, I want to say, change your mind. Yes, I've got a better response here. <laughs> I want to say, change your mind. It's still quiet this side. Paul, I need some help that side, bro. Okay. So now my question is this. In life, in life, what do you see? What's your vision? What are you living for? One of the first things that they teach you in, in motorcycling is this. Where you focus is where you go. Let me learn that lesson. Let me learn to the hard way. Okay, hopefully not. Where you focus is where you go. And I want to say in life, where you focus is where you go. And so you need to have a clear picture in your mind about where you're going. So I want to ask you, what's your picture? What is it that motivates you day after day? My father was a pastor. He actually, he actually had a heart attack on his way to go preach the word and went to heaven. So it's not a bad way to go. I've, I've often said, Lord, help me go when I'm preaching. I just want to 
out of you. And then some guys want to come here and, and try and resurrect me from the dead. And I said, hey, no, I'm out of here. Eh? <laughs> until someone explained to me that, that then the whole church becomes a crime scene and no one can move until the cops have been there and all that. Then I decided, okay, let's not do it that way. Eh? <laughs> Maybe rather let me go riding on a bicycle. And if we're in a tandem, we go together, how wonderful that'll be. Sorry? <laughs> or, you know, okay, let's not go down that road, okay? So, so, so the, what, what was I saying? <laughs> I distracted myself in, in that one. Yeah, what are you, what are you seeing? What, what's your clear vision? What are you living for? I was talking about my father at the heart attack. So, he used to say this. Now, the Bible says that one day, when we come before the Lord, he's going to say to some people, well done, my good and faithful servant. And he says, but then, because God is God, others will get to heaven, and he'll walk past them and go to another person and say, well done. So some people are going to go to heaven by the skin of their teeth and others not. Uh, that's just a theory. I'm not saying it is like that. But I think the thing that motivates me is this. One day, I would like to hear those words. Well done, my good and faithful servant. A vision, it's a focus in my life. I want to finish strong. But then if you take it down to, to normal stuff, what about your marriage? We want to finish strong. So I don't mean finish the marriage. <laughs> finish life strong. How many of you want, to, you want to stay married? You want a happy marriage for the rest of your life? Anyone over here? I mean, well, I see three people. I didn't see you, actually. But anyway, so what about your business? Finish strong. We want to see things turn around. So you see, have this clear vision. I'm going to finish strong. Or well, my business has been turned around. I see prosperity in my business. I see healthy relationships. They may not be like that right now. I see my kids serving God. Those broken relationships, I see them restored. People, you've got to see something. And too often, people see the negative. And so I'm asking you today, what do you see in your situation? What do you see? <coughs> the Elijah the prophet after his greatest victory, remember when he called the whole nation together at Mount Carmel? <clears throat> he saw the miracle of the fire coming down from heaven and, and he stripped up that, that offering with water and all kinds of stuff. And then, and then the, the, remember, the, the, the rain came. First of all, it was just nothing. And then eventually there's a cloud the size of a, of a man's hand. And he got all excited and said to the king, you better get up, get your chariots together, rain is coming. And then thirdly, the miraculous thing is that he outran the chariots of Ahab, Elijah. Imagine that. Ima wow. Imagine the Spirit of God coming upon you when you're doing the Comrades Marathon. <laughs> I had a wonderful mother who used to... Yes, her faith was limitless. It was more hope or anything. But so when I, I used to ride the August from year to year, and, and, and then she'd always pray. She'd pray, Father, let the spirit of Elijah come on Sydney. 
Yes, if only it had happened. Eh? But yes, I could talk a circle, bro, and I went and betake him with the rain and so on. Yes, I could circle. Here, where is the geest van the leer? Unfortunately, it never happened. So, but he had all these miracles. Listen. And then he faced his greatest challenge. One woman. Hey, Paul. One woman. She says, I'm going to kill you. The queen. Before the sun goes down. And he goes from this tremendous high into a depression. And he runs for his life. Then, then God feeds him supernaturally. He keeps running. After 40 days, he lands up at this mountain. And God says, what are you doing here? Listen to what he said. He said, Lord, they've killed all your prophets. I'm alone. I'm the only prophet left. And there's nothing more that I can do. He just had the greatest victory of his life. Isn't that incredible? And sometimes our greatest victories are followed by our greatest challenges. And so what happened is he got into this depression right there. And then, and then God, God said to him, he said to him, no, no. Then God gave him instruction what to do. But you see the picture, listen to the picture that he had. And he had carried this picture for a while. And so we need to be careful because the picture we carry will become a reality sometime. We need to change the picture if the picture is negative. And if the picture is not of God. And so he had this picture all along. I'm the only prophet that's still serving God. And yet God turns to him and says, you're not the only prophet. There's 7,000 others that are serving me that haven't bowed the knee to Baal. And sometimes we think, yes, I'm in such a bad place. No one understands where I am. Listen, I want to tell you, no matter what you're going through, what you've been through, no matter what, there are people who would love to swap places with you because of where they are. Is that true? And so we need to be thankful for where we are. But you see, the, the picture that we have will determine our destiny. And so my encouragement today is change the picture. Is this ministering to anyone here today? Change the picture. Have a clear picture of victory. Have a clear picture of overcoming. Have a clear picture of restoration. Have a clear picture of whatever it is that you need. Have a clear picture. And I want to say God by His Holy Spirit will give you that picture. And we call that picture hope. It's a joyful, confident expectation. It's hope. And so keep moving forward. Amen. But then you have Ezekiel 37. How many of you know that God's got a miracles? And so you have Ezekiel 37 where, where um, Ezekiel has this vision of dry bones, a valley of dry bones. And God says to him, what do you see? <laughs> what do you see? I see dry bones. God didn't see dry bones. 
he saw a victorious army. And so he said to him, prophesy over them. Can, he said, can these bones live? He says, Lord, you know, I don't know. He says, prophesy over them. And the bones began to join to each other. And then he prophesied again. And the flesh came, prophesied again. Breath came into it. And they rose up as a mighty army. Because you see, people, we're not dealing just with the natural. We're dealing with the supernatural. Amen. How many of you, how many of you believe that God is able to do what he has promised? Anyone here? He's able to do what he has promised. And so what we do, no matter what your situation is, and let me tell you, when you're in a situation, that picture is so clear that we call it worry. And what is worry? Worry is a picture of negativity that you can't get out of your mind. And so we've got to change the picture. And so God's picture was totally different from Ezekiel's picture. And I believe that God's encouraging us today to say this, I can change things for you. I can change your marriage. I can change your relationships. I can change your business. I can change, I can change anything. God is able to do the impossible when we work with Him. But there's something that we've got to do. We've got to change the picture. Amen. So I want to encourage you, change the picture. And that's how we keep moving forward, because we've got a picture. We say, no matter what I'm going through now, things are going to change. I said, things are going to change. The economy is going to change. I said, the economy is going to change. Sometimes you've got to prophesy that. In your sphere of business, maybe you're going through a tough time. Maybe people, maybe people aren't buying cars like before. But you've got, to, you've got to see a picture of people buying cars from you. Amen. And so you prophesy. You say, cars have been sold. Father, thank you. People are coming from the north, the south, the east, and the west. They come in from the Cape. They come in from Limpopo. They come in from Natal. They come in from all over to buy from me. Does that sound arrogant? See the picture. And God can do it for you. So I hope we're getting here because sometimes we become... We become victims of our circumstances. And God is beyond. He lives beyond our circumstances as we obey Him and be led by Him. Number two, keep trusting God. Just keep trusting Him. David said in Psalm 56.3, But when, I was, when I'm afraid, I will put my confidence in you. Yes, I will trust the promises of God. And since I'm trusting Him, what can mere man do to me? Keep trusting Him. Keep our focus on Him. Why? Because if we do that, something's going to happen to us. And all of a sudden, something of, something of Him will rub off onto us. And Jesus is a clear picture. And you see, Jesus sees us differently from how we see ourselves. In God's eyes, our problems don't define us. They develop us. They don't happen to us. Bad things and, and things that don't happen to us, they happen for us. In Romans 8, 28, we know that all things, all things work together 
for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. So He can turn things. They happen for us. The end result will be for us. And so I can carry on like that. When we see problems, God sees possibilities. Amen. And that's what God wants us to do. So it says in Isaiah 61.3, To all who mourn in Israel, He will give beauty for ashes, joy instead of mourning, praise instead of heaviness, for God has planted them like a strong and graceful oak. So when we see ashes, what has God seen? Beauty. I mean, he can, he can change the situation, bring beauty out of those ashes. When we see mourning and depression, God sees joy and praise. Amen. Number three, hold on to his promises. And in the prayer time today, someone pray that God will never leave us nor forsake us. Isn't that a wonderful promise? No matter what we're going through, he'll never leave us. So what does that mean? That means if, if God is here right here with me and it says if God is for us, who can be against me? Because he's not just here to do nothing. He's here to help me. Amen. And his strength and his power and his love, and even when we're going through tough times, he'll still give us the peace, and, and we still keep that picture. He'll help us to keep that picture clear. We are coming through this thing. Amen. Now, number four, just keep moving forward. In Psalm 84, verse 67, in the Amplified, it says, Passing through the valley of weeping, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also fills the pools with blessings. They go from strength to strength. Listen, increasing in victorious power, each of them appears before God in Zion. It says, I'm passing through the valley of weeping, or the valley of Barca. Anyone been through the valley of weeping, valley of, of Barca? But what's the key here? They keep passing through. They turn it into a pool of springs. How do you do that? Let me suggest how we do it. And listen, this isn't easy. And we found it's not easy. We need discipline in our lives, don't we? Because this mind is so strong, our emotions are so strong. But I want to say this, if we'll submit it to the word of God and keep our focus on him and have that picture and trust in him and trust in his promises and we'll keep moving forward, something's going to change in our lives. So I think this is what happened. They found themselves in a, in a bad place, in a dark hole, in the valley of weeping. And look, here's the key. One day, they said to themselves, listen, enough is enough. Did you get that? In my marriage, enough is enough. I'm talking about now you divorce. And so, so what do you do? You draw a line in the sand, both of you, husband and wife, you draw a line in the sand and say enough is enough. We're going to trust God now. We're going to go for help. In that situation, we're turning around. Financial crisis. Amen. I've been battling enough. Has anyone been battling financially enough? Don't put your hands up too high. And you say, you say this, enough is enough. Come on now. What are you going to say? Enough is enough. And so you can apply this to different things in your lives. Maybe it's a bad habit, whatever it may be, and you say, this is it. 
Enough is enough. I'm tired of losing my temper so quickly. I'm tired of being negative. I'm tired of every time I go out, all I see in South Africa are potholes, corruption, and what else? Taxis. <laughs> what else? Come on, help me here. Okay, and, and you say, listen, you say enough is enough. Have you noticed, have you noticed that, that negative people normally attract negative things? They always have the pleasure of saying, I told you so. But I've also seen people with faith and people who are positive. They also have the pleasure of saying, I told you so. Which do you want to be? We live in a great nation. You've just missed an opportunity to say amen over there. We're living in a great nation. God is still here with us. Amen. We can still bribe better than those overseas. We still have better weather than those overseas. We can still exceed the speed limit. Yes, they tell him in Australia. Australia, you can't do one kilometer above there, and you get demerits. I don't think anyone in this room, no one in this room would still have a license today. And so with all this negativity, people, enough is enough. I'm getting excited now. And so what they do, they make up their minds. Right there in that hole, in that valley of Barker. Maybe you've lost a loved one, you've never got over it. Enough is enough. Whatever your situation, maybe you still got carrying guilt about a past sin that Jesus has forgiven you for, and you're carrying this baggage. Enough is enough. Draw a line. And we change it. They changed their situation right then. What did they do? They turned that weeping into pools of blessing. And they went from strength to strength and from victorious, from victory to victory. Amen. Coming to an end. No one's done this yet, although I haven't been watching them. In Psalm 23, what a wonderful psalm it is. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leadeth me beside still waters, he restores my soul, he lets me lie down in green pastures and so on. Isn't that wonderful? Oh, what a wonderful psalm. And then all of a sudden the reality hits. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. What? I thought we lacked nothing. I thought we lined down in green pastures, still waters. There's no roughage. No, no, nothing. Everything is just fine. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. God's plan for us to have no lack, to lie down in green pastures still waters but we live in a real world and sometimes we go through valleys of the shadow of death it's a dark valley but what does he say what does he say here's the key i'll walk through i don't stay and what does he say there though i walk through the valley of shadow of death i'll fear no evil for he's with me there we go who's with us God is with us. God is victorious. You can't keep God down. 
They, they, they killed Jesus. And they thought, that's it. But they couldn't keep Jesus down. They couldn't even keep him in death. They couldn't even keep him in the grave. Why? There's too much life in him. There's too much victory in him. Hallelujah. He arose from the dead. And no matter what situation you're going through, I want to say, you have Jesus with you. Keep walking. Brother, keep walking. Sister, keep walking. Why? Because Jesus is going to lift us out of this thing. (laughs) So, Our victory comes from within through a confidence that God is with us and that his promises are still valid for us today no matter what. Here's my closing statement. We take our stand. We fix our focus. We determine our destination, which includes every blessing and experience God has for us. Or to put it in the words of Hebrews 10 verse 39, But we are not quitters who lose out. Oh, no. We'll stay with it and survive trusting all the way. Amen. Do you have any guys that are not quitters yet today? Do you have anyone here that's going to say, I'm going to draw the line in the sand today? Anyone ever here saying, I'm going to get a clear focus, a clear picture of what God has for me, and I'm not going to let anything taint that picture in Jesus' name. Anyone like that? then I want you to stand with me right now because I want to pray with you. You say, I'm drawing a line in the sand. That's it. Amen. And God knows what your individual situation is. And look at this over here. And I just, I just sense this, is that, is that we make a decision. God's waiting for us to make that decision. We're going to draw a line in the sand. It's non-negotiable. Enough is enough. If you don't remember anything else, and I trust you will remember something, but if you don't remember anything else in this, in this word today, remember, enough is enough. I'm trusting God. And Father, you see all of us who are standing here today in Jesus' name. And we say this, enough is enough. Satan, enough is enough. You've bullied us for long enough. And today we take our stand. We fix our focus. And Father, I pray there's anyone here who doesn't have a clear picture, that you'll give them a clear picture of your will for their life, a clear picture of where you want their business to go, a clear picture of where you want their marriage to go, a clear picture of what you have in store for their children. A clear picture. Father, I pray for clear pictures for people, for everyone here today in Jesus' name. And even if it is eternal life, a clear picture that I'm going to make decisions that align itself to me doing the will of God. And Father, that, that even those things that hinder us, that we allow in our lives, that dust that Dylan was talking about, that enough is enough. We cannot allow that dust to get through the filters, around the filters any longer. Lord, that destroys us. We draw a line in the sand and say, enough is enough. Would you like to say that this morning? Enough is enough. Let me hear you. Enough is enough. And Father, we turn our eyes to you right now in Jesus' name. And we declare that, Lord, you are the miracle working God. 
And so I pray for breakthrough for these people today in the name of Jesus. I pray for breakthrough for this church that they will go from strength to strength. Lord, from victory to victory in the name of Jesus, that they'll see more souls being saved than before in the name of Jesus. They'll be more effective in the biking community than what they have been before. And thank you for what they are doing in the community. Because, Lord, we're going from victory to victory in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's give God a hand this morning. Amen. While we're standing, let's just close in prayer. If there's anyone you'd like personal prayer, there's going to be a ministry team over here. You're very welcome to come to the front. God bless you. It's been great to be with you. Father, I just thank you that we've had this time in your presence. And just thank you, Lord, that you're a good, good father. And we're walking out with hope today. We're walking out things changed today because of you because of your promises and your word. And so bless us, bless these people for the rest of the week, we pray. Let them have a great week in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen.